Everybody and welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 177. I am your host, Nicholas Minix. Joining me as always, or as usual, I should say, is Eno Saris. Eno, how's this fine Thursday treating you? Good, good. I slept recent, decently well. My children uh, weren't horrible to me. This <laughs> so. Oh, all right. Happy November. Happy Yay. Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Things are moving along swiftly uh, with the second kid then. Wow. <laughs> well, he's found a way to be horrible. Mostly it has to do with uh, the grunts he makes when he has to fart. <laughs> that's that's, uh, the, that's uh, the thing that keeps us up at night. Uh, we were quickly changing topics here. Uh, let's get into that. <laughs> no, no, that's not. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, uh, I hope those things work themselves out. However, <laughs> however, they don't in- involve filling us in. A couple of minutes of grunting for them to work themselves out. <laughs> as long as we get, as long as that is the extent of the detail to which we were, uh, at which we arrive, I think we're okay. <laughs> Let's move. Let's let's move on to. Uh, you know, this is just like uh, when you're sliding into third and you lay a juicy. You know, the whole. <laughs> all right. We. I think this is a great way to segue into fantasy baseball. Actually, <laughs> an escape for us all. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. So uh, before we get too much into, of course, we're going to talk about shortstop rankings, which came out at the beginning of this week. But before we did, uh, I had a tweeter who was interested, uh, who obviously addressed this uh, regarding our last podcast. We talked about third baseman last week, and I uh, was just curious. We got a specific question about Ryan Zimmerman and uh, because we did not talk about him, wondering if we have given up on Zimmerman. And, uh, you know, you know, first I'll, I'll be happy to let you uh, address that first, other than I will just say I've only given up on Zimmerman healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to play a little game. So um, I'm just going to name names. and uh, <laughs> Don't name names. I'm going to name names. I'm just going to name names, and then you tell me when you start uh, thinking about Ryan Zimmerman. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go. It's not going to be a, a perfect sort of ranking as as I will go into next season. I mean, that's it's a little bit early for that, and we, we have to talk through these things, like the projections, all those sort of things. But um, sort of generally, I think I would start with... Uh, uh, so I guess Rendon, Donaldson, Beltry. Um, now! I want him now. <laughs> Longoria, uh, Seeger... Um, uh, I guess I'll throw in uh, Fraser there. Um, Pablo Sandoval, uh, Nolan Arenado. I forgot David Wright. I'm gonna throw David Wright in there. Uh, Nolan Arenado. Um, I think you're getting into around that area. Let's see here. Uh, let me. I want to see what Nolan Arenado is projected for. I think Zimmerman. 
it's not a bad, it's not that bad. We were down a little bit, but so Nora Nana is, is, is projected for 286, 20 homers and a whole lot more help. Yeah. Than Ryan Zimmerman. Where you might say Ryan Zimmerman is projected for similar numbers. Um, they, they'll come in a different way. I mean, Arnado's a little bit more plug and play. Zimmerman is, I'll get 280 and 20, but I'm going to have to have another guy who can play third base too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I would take Arnado, especially with age and upside. Matt Carpenter? I would probably take the shot on well, – and that – I think then you're getting into a question of what does my roster look like? Do I yeah. take the security of a Carpenter and 100 runs, a great batting average versus, again, you know, the associated risk with Zimmerman? I think that's – I mean, I to me, we've kind of touched on what's a fair range for him at this point. It's it's yeah. I think I think Zimmerman because health was such a frustrating issue for him this past season. I mean I feel I feel like his range of draft round uh, you know rounds of that he's going to go in and drafts are is going to be a little wider than you know some of your other players such as a Donaldson you know players that have had a couple of years of couple yeah. of years of track record. So I mean but it's it it's easy to forget, or at least it was for me, that he played in 145 games in each of the past two seasons. Um, and, of course, so he hit 25 homers in each of the last two. But, the, obviously, he also played in only 100 before that. And, and, and you know, for what it's worth, he may, he may play first base this year. Yeah. that's maybe that keeps him healthier. Yeah. I, I, I have to think the Nationals, I mean, I don't – it doesn't sound like obviously they're not ready to commit to that, but I, I can't. It's hard to see them not making that commitment moving forward to put him at first base because this, of the defensive, the all, all the defensive issues, yeah, at least he, with the arm. He can't throw, yeah. But you know, it, this is something worth studying because somebody asked me in my chat today if Hanley Ramirez, if, if he goes to an AL team and can play some short, play some third, um, you know, DH some you know, like the Yankees or something, if that will keep them healthier going forward. And it does sound something like something that's true, but at the same time, you know, I wonder how often a guy is healthy enough to DH, but not healthy enough to play in the field. I mean, it, it seems like it comes up sometimes, but how often does it really come up? Like how often has Mark Teixeira been able <laughs> to DH, but not been able to go on the field? So I feel like, well, I think those things that sounds like a lot, but ends up being like one or two games a year, you know, I think there's I mean, I think the thinking is more he's not in the field and so uh, yeah. subjected to fewer opportunities to be injured. But the problem sure. with that is that, I mean, like, especially with a player like to like you said, but like and I think Hanley has had similar issues where those things frequently seem to come up at the plate when he's hit by a pitch or something. Hit by a pitch. And then also in, in, in Zimmerman's case, hamstring. I mean, even if he's playing first base, he's got to run to first base when he, you know, hits the ball in play. So right, um, yeah. And Hanley sure. Hanley's had a number of collisions at bases. I mean, yeah, a lot of his injuries seem to come up when he's hitting. Or I mean, I think there would the probably be pass. fewer fewer injuries in the field. I mean, you're you're facing the ball, you're thinking about it, you know, yeah. you're trying to get to it. I, I, you know, how many times? What do you do? Maybe throw your arm out? I don't know. I, I think um, it's an opportunity to stay in shape a little bit, or or, right. or a reason to stay in shape. I, I think it's think. fatter as a DH. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's might be something worth studying. And I, I'm not going to give Zimmerman a boost for for moving to first too much. What I will give Zimmerman a boost uh, for a little bit is the fact that he could be. Uh, I mean, we only named. Um, 
10 or 11 guys. So we're talking about a guy who's startable in any league. And, um, you know, we didn't name Josh Harrison. Um, so he's in this mix around 9, 10, 11, 12, um, where you're right. If you just, if you wait long enough, those guys become great because if you wait long enough and you get a top 12 guy, um, you know, way down in the, in the lower rounds, you know, it's kind of the old Aramis Ramirez play. It's like, well, you guys pay, you know, a lot for a little bit more and I'll pay <laughs> less for, you know, somebody who's just cromulent is just, you know, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, and I guess for what's worth, I put Aramis Ramirez, you know, a couple spots lower in that sort of 11 to 14 range. So those both guys are like, you know, they'll be forgotten because they're not shiny and new, but, um, so I guess the answer is we haven't given up on them. You know, Headley belongs probably in that group too. Mm-hmm. We haven't given up on them. It's just about price. And if you're talking about keepers, it's you usually don't keep a guy in the top 12. You know, you don't keep a guy like Zimmerman, his age, and uh, and where he sits in the rankings. But right. you don't keep going into, into drafts next year. You can totally think about him. Yeah, you don't you don't keep a guy if you think you can get him for less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically what it boils down to usually. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, speaking of health-related issues and questionable performance and all these other things that we hate about fantasy players, uh, let's talk about shortstops. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, uh, no, no, that's I know where you were going, and I that, loved it. <laughs> you knew, yeah, exactly. That was I, I tell you, this uh, we've we've lined these right up. It's like bowling pins. Uh, <laughs> Which is also just what shortstops are. There's just a bunch of bowling pins. Yeah, and I think before we can get to this, maybe it's not the best time. It maybe it it would be more dramatic to sum it up this way. But I think shortstop is kind of this position. Like I look at it, and like from the players I analyze, like um, that you know a couple of guys that I've written about and based and like several of the guys that I've read about and all this. Like I see it as a position where, well, I mean it's. Maybe this is uh, kind of obvious. I mean, we, we know that the top options typically come in. Uh, they used to be, and they used to include Jimmy Rollins, um, but now he's back up there. So I guess sort of they still do. I don't really know how to to approach that top several guys, but, you know, there's Twitchilowitzki, Jose Reyes, um, and I guess Jimmy Rollins now sort of, and Hanley Ramirez, and all those guys get hurt, but everyone still wants to take them not too much discounted. And then, uh, because I think everybody's looking for the shiny new shortstop and they don't want to pay what those shortstops cost because of the risk, they're still looking for something shiny and it came in you know, the form of Gene Segura and uh, Andrew Elton Simmons. And I thought that those guys were were players like that. Xander Bogart. I mean, these guys were all kind of overdrafted and that came by, back to bite a lot of folks. And it's like they're – I mean, it's not a great position, but – uh, there, you know, there's going to be some value to be had, I guess. And it's like, let's, yeah, I, mean, I think maybe let's just not, let's just not put so much weight on the fact that like, it's quote unquote scarce. Let's just, uh, you know. Yeah. If you, if you put the right eyes on, um, you know, you, you kind of, you can get all the way down to Jed Lowry uh, at 19 before you get too nervous about what's going on. And then, you know, if you scan below that, Anderson Simmons, uh, Brad Miller, Chris Owings, um, 
there's, you know, five, six more guys, even Ivers Cabrera, you know, if he got healthy or got a better gig, Wilmer Flores in a full season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can probably go down to 25 if you're willing to, you know, if you're in a deep league and you're just willing to get a guy who, who will stand there for you. Um, I think, uh, I think it's not that bad. And, and you know, in terms of guys I, I want to play, I think I can probably get 12 deep in most leagues. And you're right. I think at the top, you know, I was nervous about Ian Desmond going in. I wrote about how his batting average was risky and then his batting average, uh, tanked this year and he had, you know, a kind of a bad year for him and he ended up being the number one shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, I don't really, I don't, I'm not in love with anything like Troy Tulowitzki played a half a season, you know, two thirds of a season, and managed to be the fourth uh, best shortstop this year. It's pretty amazing. Um, so I, I'm just, uh, well, I guess what I'm saying is the, the the top doesn't wow me enough that I that I need to pay the extra for it. It's sort of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, and and don't like. <clears throat> This this may end up feeding into the whole. Uh, somebody's going to write, well, Javier Baez, blah, blah blah. We know he strikes out a lot, but and you know, I, I was I'm I was kind of, and I still kind of am a Baez guy. But again, like I've you know, we've already talked about him. He's going to be re- like, he's probably not going to come at a price that we, either either of us would be willing to pay for him. Um, but he might be like the new kind of shiny thing. Hey, everybody knows shortstop stinks, so wait on a guy like this and pay a little extra. You know, make sure you get him so that you can get in on the ground floor. And it's it's not necessarily going to work like that. Like he might end up, he might you know end up being ranked. Say he, you know people are sort of drafting him as a twelfth or thirteenth shortstop off the board. No thanks. Like I'll just take I'll take someone below him and uh, be a lot happier with somebody who is. Well, take, he has a lot more bankable skill set. Well, take take or take last year's shiny new thing. You know, I mean, yeah, Xander, Xander Bogarts is is a guy that um, you know ended up seventeenth uh, at the end of season, um, and you know was bad enough that I think some people soured on him. But um, you know, I think I saw incremental improvement in a lot of ways. He, he had a real infield fly problem um, in his in his debut, um, and he and he figured that out. He had a he had a ten point two percent swinging strike rate his first time up, and then he he dropped that down to nine point seven. Um, you know he improved his power. Um, you know he he I thought he played better defensively than the defensive numbers suggest. Um, and there's this pattern in the minor leagues too where he he improved uh, with it is something that you normally do is improve the second time you see a level. But you know I, I think I think at twenty. Two years old, you can you can see more improvement coming in his walk rate, his strikeout rate, his power, and um, you know you see it in the steamer projection: two sixty, sixteen homers, five five stolen bases. If he'd done that this year, um, he would have been uh, ninth or tenth, right around Johnny Peralta mm-hmm. uh, and Starlin Castro. So. Uh, you know, guy that uh, looks like you know end of the season seventeenth, who who could move up to ten to twelve. Uh, that sounds like something I like, you know. And um, you know, John Segura was uh, the two year year ago golden child. Um, as bad as he was, he ended up sixteenth, right next to Xander Bogarts. That's that's Robbie Shopper. I'll be shopping. The one, the one name that I would love to hear you talk about is uh, Jordy Mercer because 
Oh, do we have him in some deep leagues? <laughs> he, he's he's interesting because he's he's right handed and like plays better against lefties. But um, you know, is his defense any good this year? It looked a little better. You know, does he have any offensive upside left? I, I, I'm not so sure about those answers. I mean, he's a little bit older at 28. Um, you know, he's not as exciting, I think, as Segura or or Bogarts might be next year. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Mercer's never been a particularly exciting player to me. I always thought that. Um, I mean, there's double-digit power, and that's kind of uh, like I feel like he's kind of the, he's the Pirates' option at shortstop because Clint Barmus can't play defense anymore, and um, it was always an awful hitter. And then Josh Harrison doesn't quite have the reins to play shortstop once he emerged as kind of a regular. And it didn't—I mean, it, it didn't hurt that Pedro Alvarez turned out to be terrible at third base. I mean, but I think I think. Mercer kind of emerged. He's just like the best of what they have. He's not like, um, and for fantasy purposes, that's not a bad thing because I mean, he still has a job. I don't know that anybody is in the pipeline uh, waiting to take his job, but he's he just kind of smacks a little bit of Jed Lowry. Yeah, that seems that seems fair, except that he, you know, and he's not the switch hitter, so that's uh, that seems right. to kind of uh, right. Um, I mean, that's like his minor league record throughout was it's it's. You know, projected to be about league average strike strikeout percentage, maybe a little little less, but because he's right-handed, and um, I mean, like 285, he hit last year. I I think like the Seamer projection has him at 250. I guess it's, I mean that's probably about where I put him: 255, 260, 265, and not a lot of power. And of course, at he doesn't have a lot of speed. I, just, um, I don't see. There's no more. Yeah, right. There's no more growth coming. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's kind of an adequate player. He's in a 15-team mixed league, he's a guy I wouldn't mind. Th- you know, I'd be okay with plugging him in there if I needed to. But it's no certainly- history of good walk rates, though, so he's not a great OVP league guy. No. Oh yeah, yeah. That's as far as Tout is concerned, he's not a great target. <laughs> uh, he's 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 not an exciting player to me. Um, he's well, kind of. What about uh, a guy like Starlin Castro? Do you think he could uh, he could jump up into the top? echelon again or you know one of the things i liked you know going into 2013 was that every year he improved his power incrementally and stolen more bases mm-hmm. then he just you know fell apart in 2013 and though the power came back to where it had been before um it's kind of seems to me like the stolen base thing is done i hesitate to say that it's done but i think part of it is i mean Part of it is he's, he wasn't like a, he wasn't a very efficient base dealer. I think that um, the new Cubs managed. I don't think that he fits the mold of what the Cubs view. I mean, I think he needs to go to a team that just doesn't give a crap, like a team that's not great. Like if the Cubs were to trade him, if he sticks with the Cubs, I don't think the speed is going to come back. I think if he goes to a team uh, because he's he's kind of fast. Um, I, right. I, I think he's probably just not a smart base dealer. Uh, because even in the minor leagues, like his success rate wasn't great, and the numbers and and things like success rate matter to the Cubs because they're statistic, you know, they're they're statistically knowledgeable. <laughs> if he was to go to, I don't know, Milwaukee, I'm trying to think of some teams that probably don't really pay that much attention um, to that kind of thing. Uh, if you know, if he was to get dealt somewhere, obviously Milwaukee is not a great example because they already have a short stuff, but. Um, I think, yeah. yeah so I would say probably. I would you know, say, the, the the Mets like recently asked Juan Lagares to steal more bases, 
uh, which I think is... But that a, was a good idea, I think, because he's really fast. Right, it's true. I wonder, I wonder. I mean, the Mets, the Mets, you know, everyone wants to point to the Mets, but when I made my plan, I was just like, I just don't see the... Uh, I don't see... I don't see either making the deal right now. I mean, I think that what it would take to get uh, Castro is not what the Mets want to pay. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think they, in some ways, they have enough in common with the way um, the Cubs want to build their team. Castro is a better fantasy shortstop than he is a real-life shortstop. Yeah. And that's probably going to be hard for some teams to reconcile or for yeah. the Cubs to reconcile if they want to take advantage of this perceived value. Because I think they realize that he's not as good a real-life player as maybe people think he is. Average. Yeah, it's actually funny. He's projected for 2.1 uh, wins above replacement next year by Steamer. And um, Wilmer Flores um, is projected for 2.0, <laughs> uh, which is actually kind of amazing. Um, from watching Wilmer Flores, I never thought he could be a shortstop in the major leagues. Yeah, I'm still not convinced. I mean, I think they say he's made strides defensively. It's, I mean, it's probably easier to do that in a short sample, a small sample, than it is to like to play that way consistently. But I don't know. I'm just making a guess uh, as far as defense goes. Yeah, he might be exposed some next year defense. But the uh, but he actually is not too not too different from Castro in terms of um, you know the plate, you know, not walking, making a decent amount of contact. Uh, having a little bit of powers <laughs> may end up having somewhat similar line to, to Castro next year if they do run him out there every day at shortstop. So in terms of offense, um, you know, they feel like they're okay. And then how much are they going to pay to to get Castro-like defense on top of, um, you know, a Flores-like bat? So, yeah, I don't think that – I think he'll be there another year. And, and with Bias, you know, looking a little bit busty, you know, to me at least. And then um, – you know, Russell not necessarily being ready. I think that he'll mostly play the year there. I wonder what happens if he has to, um, if he moves somewhere. Wrigley is such a hard place to, to figure out, um, you know, whether or not Wrigley is really a hitter's place or a pitcher's place. But um, Yeah, it all depends on the weather forecast that day. <laughs> really feels that way. So, I, I uh, and, and, you know, does Castro seem like the kind of guy who cares that much where he goes? I mean, yeah, if he went to the Royals... Uh, he would probably steal more bases and, you know, zoom up the rankings. But um, I'm done projecting uh, a lot of power in his future. Uh, and so that means to me he's a good bet to stick in the top 10 somewhere, or the top 12, but he isn't necessarily a good bet to jump into the top five. No, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't Yeah, I don't view him as – I mean, he's not a player who's going to add play, power and, I, and, and or stolen bases, so – yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I, I think, like, I mean, and I'm agreed on Bogarts. Like, that's a guy that I would, you know, kind of, I would be in that range. I'd target him. Segura, I mean, we we talked about him earlier this season and how, um, I mean, certainly he's a player. I mean, he was, you know, he finished 2013 as a top fantasy shortstop. I think that thing is, that kind of outcome is within the realm of possibility again. Uh, and again, but people, it's people paid for that basically coming into this season. I wouldn't do... Uh, I, I think wherever he ends up is probably, like you said, that's probably a range where I'm going to be shopping. Uh, I think it's fair to think that the batting average will bounce back to some degree. I mean, he never struck me as a guy who was going to hit 300. So um, 
even though he does, he has the low strikeout rate. I think that there are probably uh, some other things that work against him a little. But yeah, I think he has the upside too. But I mean, it, he hits for a decent contact rate. I think that it's. I don't know. He kind of strikes me as like a, a rich man's Alexi Ramirez, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Who's that? <clears throat> Segura. No, I think uh, I was going to say uh, put uh, Alcides Escobar, Elvis Andrews, and John Segura in a bag and, and shake it up, and uh, I'll pay you one price to reach into that bag. <laughs> uh Segura, Andrus, what was the other one? <laughs> I'll see <it's> Escobar. <laughs> um, saying, I, I, I don't see a functional difference between these guys. Right. Uh, I think, you know, if you give me a little leeway in batting average, I will give them all a 270 batting average next year, uh, 25 stolen bases, and five, you know, three to five home runs. And uh, for whatever, you know, amount Segura might hit over five home runs, uh, his batting average will be a little bit lower, and you know I think you, you'll have a little give and take here and there. Uh, but I, I see Escobar at number six is the biggest to me the biggest bust rate, other than maybe Jimmy Rollins, just because of how old he is. Right. No, That's, yeah, I totally agree with Escobar. I mean, he's he wasn't as bad right, as last I, season, but he wasn't as good as the previous season. Who? Uh, Escobar. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of – but, I, I mean, he's closer to 2012. He hit 293 that season and stole 35, and that's pretty close to what he did this season. Uh, I mean, he, he got pretty close to that this year. I mean, I would just kind of regress that a little bit more. Yeah. I, I might I, – I would put Eric Ibar in that bag. I have no idea how Eric Ibar is worth uh, uh, $15 this year. Like, even just looking at his numbers, like – 16 it's, stolen bases, 278. It must be in the runs and RBI. I don't get it at all. Yeah, he's um, he's he's basically a volume guy. It's kind of, I mean, it's you throw in some extra RBIs, um, and that's basically what made up a lot of the difference. But I think, I mean, it's that's just that's kind of the, that comes with being on a good team. <laughs> yeah, but what happens if he gets traded or, you know? Yeah, I mean that's is some of that disappears for sure. I mean he's the rates as far as Escobar as Escobar as far as Ibar is concerned, the rates are never really much different. He's a solid hitter. He's he can hit around two seventy to two eighty uh, and steal about fifteen bases. And depending on where he ends up in the lineup, because he's led off at times for the Angels, he's missed about fifteen or twenty games here and there. This I think that's probably part of it <clears throat> too is that he played about fifteen more games this year than he did in previous seasons. Um, and yeah, that, you, I mean, like, that makes that has made a huge difference at shortstop. I mean, ordinarily he's probably a more of a $10 player. Yeah. In, I'm just thinking about pitches. like, you know, I can't help whenever I, I see a guy like that, I, I put him in the, in the ale only bucket. Like I, I couldn't imagine, you know, starting a season in a, like a 12 team mixed league. I'm going to put Eric Ibar as in my starting shortstop. No, yeah, you know, maybe you're sharding shortstop. That might yeah, be. Sorry, you'll definitely be my sharding. <laughs> but um, your middle, in, I mean, I've done, I've done, I mean, I've done it with my middle infielder. I've uh, on a number of occasions in twelve team mixed leagues. I think he's just he's adequate. I think that that's maybe that's part. I mean, I'm okay with getting a player like that. I'm always it's a blind okay spot with for me. Like that. The guy who's, I guess, you know, steady Eddie, 
but it offers no upside. It's a little bit of a blind spot for me just because I'd much rather, you know. I think well, that's, like there's just some – like there's there's a high floor. Yeah. And like – I'd be the kind of guy who takes Xander Bogarts even at a similar price, even coming off a season in which he was ranked he, – he was worth, you know, $14 less than Eric Ibar. Yeah, I would probably still take Bogarts. I would take Bogarts next season. I'm not so, like I mean, these aren't my you know the, these end of season right, right, rankings right. aren't my rankings either. I think it's, um, but that's that's uh, that could be a blind spot. I mean, why 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 take Bogarts when Eric Ibar is so steady and you know likely to be on a good team and likely to hit 275 and likely to steal 15 bases and hit six to seven homers. Uh, well, again, because I mean, ordinarily he's he he spends he makes one trip to the disabled list. He is what he's like thirty, right? Yeah, and uh, and age dependent on speed or sp- speed dependent on age. I mean, he'll be thirty one next season. So. It's just so depressing writing in a seven and a fifteen in your. In your- <laughs> That is, that is that is the state of the game, my friends. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, there's right. not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot different, like numbers wise, between him and Bogarts. Like, even if you project 16 homers, like, not that this is, it doesn't work exactly that way, but like 15 homers and, and actually homers and stolen bases are have, have converged a little bit and are close to worth about the same. Right. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. They're not exactly yeah. the same, but like, so 15 and five versus five and 15. I mean, yeah. It's just a quite. I mean, the difference is the batting average, and of course, the Red Sox were not that great on offense this year. Bogarts didn't play quite as many games. It, you bump up his average twenty points, and uh, give them both about the same playing time, and they're worth about the same. And then, yeah, and you're talking about a, a, a better ceiling for Bogarts. It's really not at all difficult to imagine the gap between any of these players really on this list, except other than Jed Lowry or Derek Jeter, <laughs> narrowing like. That much. I mean, I. That's sort of where the list falls apart for me, actually. Yeah. It's like, you're like John Zagura, even JJ Hardy. You're like, if his back stays in one place, you know, Xander Bogarts, okay. And then you're like, Derek Jeter, Jed Lowry, Eduardo Escobar, Adani Hecaveria. You're like, ah! Yeah, Hardy, Hardy is a good case. Like, he's a guy, like, I, I think, like, yeah, people are going to be down on him. And the back troubles are certainly concerning. Uh, but I mean, there will come a point where I'm willing to, you know, spend a couple of bucks on him because I mean, he's hit 25 homers before. And I think that that's, we saw once he was healthy. I mean, obviously we don't know how much of this, for how much of the season will he be healthy? Oh, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, but if it's two thirds of it, as opposed to one third of it, then you're talking 18 homers and not nine. So yeah, 32 years old. And there was a time when, you know, he couldn't stay healthy with the twins and the brewers Mm-hmm. 465 PA, 375 PA, but ever since then, the tw- he's averaged close to 600 play appearances a year. I think Hardy. I ended up buying him his his first two seasons away from the Twins because, like, I remember writing about him like various other places and like like the Twins just. I mean, they should have at some point stepped in because he came. He tried to come back from myriad injuries way too soon, and just with, he was never healthy. I don't think with the Twins. It was yeah, yeah. I would look at a season like that in 2010. He was uh, 28 years old, no, 27 years old. Um, so you know, coming out of a season like that, I would have definitely bought into him. I bought him in AL Labor last year for the 25 homers. Was pretty happy with that. Very nice. But, um, 
But then because he had the 25 homers, he was a little overpriced last year. Could be underpriced this year. I, I mean, it's not a, I, you know, I don't, I don't balk at that name. Um, you know, but then, you know, well, let's, let's reach down below the, the pit of death. Um, <laughs> the pit names of death are into... me down there are, are Brad Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today, uh, Jeff Zimmerman pointed out that Brad Miller's, uh, some of his power numbers, his stolen base numbers, his home runs per fly ball, a lot of that stuff was about the same as it was his first year. Um, but he just struck out a ton more. And the one thing that I like about about phrasing things that way and focusing thing on, on things like that is that um, then you can say, well, you know, with a 9.7% swinging strike rate, he doesn't necessarily need to strike out 23% of the time. So if he were to improve that one facet of the game, we might recover some of that, um, that upside. So, you know, another, another person, uh, Colin O'Keefe at uh, Lookout Landing pointed out that uh, Brad Miller had two of the hardest hit uh, homers by a shortstop this year. Um, and nobody, or I don't forget if it was nobody else or only a couple other guys had two in the top 100. So, um, you know, he, he, he's, uh, maybe he's the top 100 hardest hit and he had two in there and no other shortstop had two. So it's like, he still has some power, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have a 145, 150 ISO in Seattle without having some actual power. Um, you know, he's trying to, he's learning on defense uh, metrics didn't hate him. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, I, th- I mean, I think to hate describe to be wrong twice, but, uh, Brad Miller still holds a little bit of, uh, of interest for me. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And I, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it was, I mean, I, I would, it's a loss. It's kind of a lost season. He didn't, he lost a lot of playing time. He didn't get it. So he, he lost some potential development and, you know, whatever, whatever. But he's, what, he's 25-ish? Um, 25, yeah. I, I guess I just, like, I, don't, I, I never write off players like this anyway. Like, I think, yeah, the price, I, I, I picture the price on Miller being super attractive as a guy, like, I mean, I think he's yeah. a, I think he's a, a mixed league end gamer still easily. Um, and, I mean, in OBP league, he's still uh, going to be, especially in OBP leagues, I think he'd be. Yeah, he had walk rates above above 12%, above 11% every year in the minor. Yeah. He kind of has like that poor man, like that he's kind of like, it's like not quite as good, but like Kyle Seeger like power where it's like it doesn't matter a whole lot where the, I mean, like yeah. Seeger makes that work at Safeco. And I think Miller does the same. I mean, you watch like he hits. Um, Pitchers got in his head this year. Yeah. I mean, there, it, was, it, it was true. Pitchers had, had somehow figured him out, and he couldn't adjust back. But then at the end of the season, he, he sort of adjusted back and, and regained some of that. Um, the batting average on balls and plays for the year, 268, was, that's just poor. Um, and you'd have, to, you'd have to, you know, believe that the infield fly problem is a real infield fly problem, which it could be. But we're only 700 plate appearances into his career. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I mean, 12-teamer, I think I might leave Brad Miller on the wire and just keep an eye on him. 15-teamer with MI, uh, you're talking about wanting to have, you know, the, probably the top 20 to 22 shortstops are going to be owned. I think Brad Miller will probably still be in my top 22 shortstops. Yes. Um, and uh, so then that's good. AL only, I, I, wonder, I wonder how much he's going to go for in top. I wonder. I paid like fifteen dollars from him last year. 
if I could get him for you know two to five dollars, I will buy him again. I don't picture that being the case, but I guess I mean I could be wrong. It, you think he's a ten dollar player again? I, I think. I think a lot of that will be predicated. I mean, I think it's uh, it's that's going to be one of those news uh, news driven prices. Where as long as oh, he as God, long as has a good spring or something. Well, not even that. I think it just Traded. whoever whoever's just in terms of the playing time projection. As long as he's projected to be the starter, uh, the yeah, or at least the help, the the right side of a platoon at shortstop. I think he's. I don't want to say he'll go for double digits, but I think six, seven, eight at least. I, I think I picture him being like seven to nine dollars at least. Well, the good news for is that there. Chris Taylor is right-handed. Yeah, I, I think so, that's that's I think that's that's what I was going to get to. It becomes a question. I mean, Taylor looks like kind of a right-handed version of Miller in a way, but yeah, actually, and but maybe a little bit less power. Yeah, and um, and a little more speed. Maybe a little bit more strikeout. I mean, just in terms of yeah, and, and their strike yeah. rate. Yeah, I think that's and that's the thing. But like, I would still like I would regress Miller's strikeout percentage. I'm sure you would as well. Like you're still talking about like there's a lot of room for him to make back make batting average back up. And yeah. where and and whereas uh, Taylor's batting average is likely to go in the other direction. Right. So, 398 batter. So I like I I think that there's I think there's a lot to like about a potential Miller buy. Like I would still pay the seven to nine dollars or whatever it would be. I would I would like that's the type of player I would still pursue because I I, I like you know in a, in a labor like I would still I would be in on the bidding. Um, yeah. There are so, a lot of there are, there's a lot there's enough for me to believe in in the player that I'm gonna that I'm gonna bid and there's enough working against him outside what I buy into two. like so as ter- in terms of the playing time and the potential platoon and things like that that I that it depresses the price and I'm still confident in bidding on him. It seems like a similar situation with the next guy on the list and Chris Owings. In that, um, you know, there was sort of Didi Gregorius, you know, battle sort of with him. Um, and then, you know, the only thing that's a little bit different is that Owings had to repair a labrum in his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and that makes projecting his power next year a little bit difficult. It does. Um, I mean, Steamer is still pretty, you know, into him with a 260 average, 12 homers, 14 stone bases. That's the kind of projection that. If you just plug that into your value calculator uh, and just go with that, then he's gonna, you know, he's gonna burst up to the top of your list. I mean, think about that: two sixty, twelve, fourteen. Yeah, he's gonna be in that twelve range that we talked about. He's yeah, like- but I'm not sure. I'm a little bit uh, more worried about him because because there is that labrum surgery. There is this guy, this other guy that's there. I mean, two sixty, fourteen, fourteen. Um, would have, yeah, would have made him uh, right around as Drupal Cabrera, Starling Castro, ten eleven, and um, I'm just I'm a little bit more nervous than, about that than uh, than I am about um, I, I guess about Brad Miller. I don't know. I mean, Chris always has a more uh, stable playing time situation, but has you know this injury he's coming off of, and. Um, yeah, I agree. That's certainly the thing that, that clouds him the most. That's that. He's that younger is, than Brad Miller. He's twenty three. It is concerned. I'm not. I'm not sure how you handicap. That's that's one of the things I've always found difficult. I mean, I think that's. I guess I, I, anybody finds that difficult. It's hard to know how to handicap that injury. We've had players who have come who have taken. Um, I mean, I don't know how to like to differentiate between the different types of shoulder surgeries. Like we've had players who have had 
serious shoulder surgeries like Matt Kemp and Adrian Gonzalez, and they've taken a couple of years plus yeah. to recover power. And then players like uh, – I'm trying to think of – I know that there's been a couple of recent examples. They've come back and instantly hit – basically hit for power. Right. I can't think. I can't think of them off the top of my head, so that does nothing for the case. But um, I know that there, because it was that's what I found frustrating for projections coming into the season. I was like, "What the hell? You're just not supposed to be hitting for power." And I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. But there, yeah, are, I mean, there are some the cases. The good news is 23. Um, you know, if he if he played through it at all, um, Jeff Zimmerman found that like people get underprojected because um, if an injury is hurting them. Um, and their numbers are affected by the injury. Uh, the projection system doesn't know that and projects them for lower numbers. Right. Um, so if he was playing through injury and he put up what he put up last year, you know, while playing through injury, um, then that was pretty impressive. But um, my guess is the injury came on, and as soon as there was anything going on there, you know, they didn't really have enough to play for for him to play through injury. Um, so he probably caught it right away, uh, got it fixed. 23 years old, had surgery uh, first week in October, um, has a lot of months to recover. Well, uh, well, according to his his BP injury history, uh, let's see, he had right shoulder soreness uh, in late June and then uh, a left shoulder strain that sent him to the DL for a couple of months. And he came back at the beginning of September and then... Oh, no. So he did come back and try to play a little bit. So he and then three weeks later they put him out for good and then he had surgery. I don't uh, know how much they're related, but I'm the, sure. The I mean, they have to be. They're they're somewhat related. They have to be, but maybe too much of a pitcher guy. But I hear labrum and I just get nervous as all hell. Uh, yeah, regard. I do agree. Yeah, I'm so not. I'm. I. I'll. You know. I'll. I'll try to. If I get Brad Miller in a you know in a mixed league and I have bench spot open, Chris Owens might be a perfect way to sort of. You know, try to get an MI on the cheap, you know? Yeah. Uh, do a Miller Owings pairing, and then hopefully one of them works out. Um, if not, you drop, you drop the other one for a waiver wire middle infielder. But, and you hopefully didn't spend more than, you know, 15 bucks combined on the two. I mean, I, I hope nobody's spending a lot more than that. So let me, uh, is there, is there a, uh, I guess, I mean, we've talked, we've talked, we've talked, so much about bias, it's not worth. I mean, it's not worth beating that bush anymore. Like, is and is um, as far as Andrew and Simmons, is there any like, is there anything about him that says to you, like, I mean, basically, I you know wrote that just you know people basically bought the ceiling this year and had to accept that there was a lot more floor, and I think next year he'll kind of be properly valued and maybe there's not, won't be a ton of upside, but I mean, he'll probably be prop, properly priced. I don't think that there's a lot of mystery surrounding him. Is there anybody else in that range though that like, I, I kind of view that once you get down that far, like he's not, he's not going to cost as little as a Dania Echeverria or, uh, well, there is actually, down there. I think Simmons did change one thing that I really wanted him to change. And I think it was important because his pop-up rate in 20, uh, 2013, I have to do quick math. because Oh, yeah, it was actually, astronomically high. It's infield fly ball rate times fly ball rate. It's pretty important to do that. Um, and if you do that, hold on. Um, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. <laughs> uh, that's wrong. <laughs> Let me put it in correctly. I mean, it has to be around a little over 3%, I guess. Uh, 
I oh I know what I'm doing wrong. All right, I almost got it. I'm an idiot. Six point nine seven percent last year, which is twice the league average. In 2013, it was seven percent. That's twice the league average. And like league average is about three point five, three point seven. Yeah. And then last year, three point uh, yeah, it was down three point four basically. Uh, yeah, three point four. Uh, so he got it down to league average. That means uh, that his uh, batting average on balls in play actually. Um, his expected batting average on balls in play was probably close to um, uh, 263. And I actually have a spreadsheet. Uh, let's not uh, wait too long, depending on how long this thing takes to load. Let me see. Well, no, <laughs> when his expected batting average on balls in play had to be higher than the 263 he actually hit for, then is what you're saying. Oh, uh, no, nuts, dude. Uh, using his inside edge hard hit data. Uh, his expected batting average on balls in play was only uh, 265 last year. So um, confirmed, would, he stinks. Well, and no. <laughs> say, I thought I think there's still some Babbitt thing going on there a little bit because he fixed his his pop up problem. You know, there could be uh, a line drive boost that comes next year. We know that line drive rate is the hardest thing in baseball to project and and mm-hmm. isn't super unsticky year to year. He hasn't yet. He's he's shown some years like he he fixed his line drive rate, his infield fly rate problem. But last year's line drive rate was sixteen point four, which is like five percent worse than league average. So five percent lower than, than than league average. So there's something missing. But if he puts together a good line drive season, there is still the upside there. I think for a two eighty season with fifteen to twenty homers and five stolen bases, the kind of stuff uh, that you see from Johnny Peralta, um, who you know year in year out we denigrate and still manages to be a top 15 shortstop. So, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, of course he hasn't really, he's only done it once, uh, Simmons and he hasn't yet done it, but, um, I have some interest there too. I think, uh, actually I think a Simmons, uh, uh a Simmons pairing with one, of, or uh, one of the two Miller and Owings could be a, a good, uh, cheap way to do things just because with Simmons, especially if you're talking about in an, uh, well, you can't be talking about it in an only, uh, but uh, because you can't, it would be really hard to get both of them. But, uh, but in a mixed league, I think Simmons offers you the bulk. You know, he's going to play all season probably. He hasn't mm-hmm. really had health problems. He's going to offer you the bulk, and and Miller offers you a little bit more upside. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I totally agree. I think on the approach of Simmons, like it's the upside is going to be gradual. I think I, I like 2013 just teased us way too much because. Um, it raised the bar much more quickly than it should have. Uh, there were there were too many flaws, and there was really only one thing that he had shown us, and that was power. And yeah, that's I think the not... Braves even themselves weren't expecting that. They were hoping for right, and that's what Drew Fairservice wrote about that quite a bit. That they and they basically tried to change him a lot, and I think that 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 probably hurt him to quite a bit, or at least to some degree too. So, it, I mean, there's there's a lot going on with Simmons. I think that once. You know, they probably will back off him a little bit, just kind of let him be who he is. And um, slowly he'll approach that. And But minus the things like we talked like like you talked about, like uh, minus the bad pop-up problem um, and, and other things that kind of slowly push the, the ex-Babbit up a little higher. I think that's – it becomes a reasonable thing. There's going to be a, slowly a little bit more upside. He's going to be an attractive player. Is there anybody else down there, though? That's – there's not – Well – so one name uh, I look at that's just too below him at 24 is Josh Rutledge. I hate his approach. He's a yeah. bad defender. 
bad patience at the plate, just a real streaky guy, really hard to own, has burned me many, many times so far. But Troy Tulowitzki is rumored to be on the block. So, you know, they've shown that Rutledge is kind of the backup uh, shortstop and right. with all his flaws. So, you know, if that Tulowitzki trade goes down, I'm not going to rush and say Rutledge, you know, top 10. But, uh, you know, top 15, I think so. And uh, he still has that ability to, even with a bad batting average and the streaky plate approach, and these are the things you don't want to own him in an LBP league or uh, you definitely don't want to own him in, like, a score sheet league or whatever. But, um, you know, and it was just a straight 5x5. Five five. I think he could, you know, hit 260, 270, maybe even 280, double-digit homers, you know, five, six, seven stolen bases. Now we're talking about the kind of package that made his Drupal Cabrera the 11th best last year. Yeah, I think I mean he that's it's an he's an interesting case because well it's, it's kind of the it's it's along the same lines of the Ibar case like if you're going to give me a regular and course field yes I I like the four <laughs> yeah, right. and and that's like but you know if somebody's going to pay for that then they can have him because yeah, he's not probably. that great a player but yeah. if you're going to give me that player at a you know a low price. And tell and tell me that, and I know that there's a little bit of upside simply because of the surroundings, whether it's could a be, good lineup or a good ballpark or both or something like that. Then it could be a fun acquisition uh, to try and get ahead of the move in sort of year-round leagues. Yeah, we're probably talking to a lot of people that that have year-round leagues. So if you're an auto new or or uh, you know year-round dynasty league, this might be the time. Maybe wait a couple days before you know, or or maybe do it now. Hope they didn't read the the Cameron article. Um, um, you know, just uh, maybe send out a feeler and see if you can get them cheap. Otherwise, uh, there's you know, Everest Cabrera just really needs to fix everything about his life. <laughs> um, and uh, you're a little bit close. I mean, I don't know how how much you pay attention to the Padres, but do you even get the sense? Do you get a sense of whether or not he's the you know the 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 the, the plan? I guess at shortstop next year for the Padres. Cabrera, I, I my impression was coming out of this season that uh, now I have to look up his contract situation, but I was pretty sure that he was he was either on an option or he was um, he was a tender player and he or he was I think he was a non tender candidate. Now I'm I'm checking that right now, but uh, I mean it's I think it would be pretty hard to justify, for instance, you know tendering him a contract and. What's his cut? Oh, I'm sorry. To that, wow, he's heading into his final year of arbitration, so he's more so a trade but, trade candidate. I think uh, so. Yes, he made also he made 2.4 million last year, so and he will be a cheap option. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because if I mean after that year, he's not going to make that much of a raise. So even if he was like five, six, seven million dollar player, uh, he's projected by Steamer at least to be a one and a half win player next year. Uh, Jace Peterson is interesting, but hasn't, you know, blown down the doors. And to- I mean, in terms of minor league numbers, you know, I, I love Jace Peterson in terms of minor league numbers. Um, I haven't watched him Can enough, you- say, from a scouting perspective. And I do know that he was in El Paso for the Triple A numbers, so uh, I don't, I'm not falling in love with the power necessarily. Right. I don't. I. I mean, I would question. I haven't seen him too much myself, but like, can you? I don't know that he could play shortstop. Um, 
they did sort of play him in other positions, didn't they? Yeah, I think if I think even at first base. They played which, him at second and third. Okay. Which is interesting because Cabrera was out, and that means they played Amarista at short over Jace Peterson. Yeah, and certainly Amarista is not an everyday shortstop. I mean, I don't think that they have many alternatives, and maybe so. So maybe- why didn't they play him? That is, uh, that is a good point. Um, <clears throat> and Amarista is not a good shortstop. Jan um, uh, Gervis Solarte is not a good shortstop. Um, so I guess... That means that the stage is set for Everett Cabrera to <laughs> resuscitate his career. I, I honestly thought that they were. I mean, I had read. I'd read a couple of things in the. They U- were moving the, on, right? The Tribune, yeah. That that it seemed likely, but reality is, is uh, for a cost conscious club like them, he probably makes more sense to bring back at arbitration. Take him to arbitration if you have and, to. And I don't. I don't think you know the steroid thing, and then. Coming back from the steroid thing, and then immediately the DUI and all that. Yeah, DUI like and being crappy, it's being a, crappy after steroids. Is, it's a, uh, I guess. It, I mean, it's supposed to be a. It's a. It's supposed to be an image conscious organization. They they. Uh-huh. They thread a lot around the whole like family atmosphere kind of thing at the ballpark. That's kind of what they cater to. Maybe that matters to them. I don't as far as the matters. PR, but but I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't see how that should matter options? a whole lot. Right. Yeah what, yeah. what are their options? I mean, in the end, it, Cripes, it, they're willing to stuff matters only as much as your options. <laughs> this club, this club, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, by the same token, I mean, they were willing to sign and re-sign Carlos, like extend Carlos Quentin and players like that. Like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, what are you trying so to say about Carlos Quentin? No, oh, I just like, he's. Uh, I mean, he's on the disabled. I don't actually. I don't really know what that says. I mean, he's always on the disabled <laughs> list. So uh, no, but they like, do sign weird guys. Perform- I mean, maybe just Seth- performance doesn't really seem to matter. Yeah, Seth Smith was the other one I was going to point. Two years. To. It's kind of weird at his, at his age. Yeah, but so I mean, if Image has anything to do with it, then I guess maybe they'll move on. But otherwise, he seems like a really smart guy to bring back because um, they don't really have anyone else, and he's not. I mean, certainly you got to think after if if he puts all this stuff behind him in an off season, uh, there's a reason to think that he could again be a guy who can steal twenty five or thirty bases and hit two fifty ish. Weird. Is Ian Kennedy a free agent? Uh, no. I think, He's up- messed up. I think the Cots is messed up here. He's got one more season, right? Yeah, I think he has one more season. That was so Cabrera might even be uh, might even be around for another year. Uh, Cots is a little messed up for Padres, I feel like. Hmm. Anyway, so he could be gone. Well, Everett Cabrera. <laughs> let's let let's let all that shake out before we. Uh, label Everett Cabrera. It, <laughs> Super it, hot sleeper. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, he's, still, he's a case he's to fall. That's exactly, that's exactly right. And uh, I think, I think Wilmer Flores is down there and Wilmer Flores could, yeah, he's he a like player. 260 with 10, 11 homers. Um, Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, Lindor's coming, uh, but, um, you know, Jose Ramirez, in terms of, you know, his coverage in the media and what his manager said about him and just what his team seems to be thinking about him, uh, might be good enough to push Kipnis to the outfield. I mean, there's 
you know, Lindor's coming, but Jose Ramirez has some things about him that, I mean, they, they, they talk really well about his defense. So, hmm. well, and that's, that's something that, uh, the Indians have started to take into consideration quite a bit because their defense has been awful. Yeah. So that's, that, that is starting Kipnis to matter. in particular just hasn't turned out to be a really great defensive second baseman. And he sort of started in the outfield and, you know, they could use some outfield o- offense and, um, they could certainly use some outfielders. Yeah. They don't have any of those, do they? Oh, they have. No, they have a ton of them, but they're just not any good. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah they have. A... They have some guys. I mean, Brantley's good, I guess, but Brantley's pretty bad <laughs> defensively. So it's, I mean, it's weird considering his skill set. Uh, who else do I like down there? Chris Taylor. We've talked about uh, Stephen Drew. You know, is a contract situation guy. I mean, he could sign somewhere. And become relevant again. I mean, deeply relevant, deep league relevant at least. Yeah, he's he's relevant if he has a job in spring training. I think if yeah. if not, then he's too old <laughs> to pick it up. You know, pick up right where he left off. It's I think he's already demonstrated that. Oh, I just clicked on Matt Duffy's name. I got Matt Duff, who's forty years old, and I was like, Matt Duffy is not forty years old. <laughs> Matt Duffy is twenty three years old, and he's right handed. Uh, and I think he has a roster spot next year on the Giants because um, they, they look like they're platooning Crawford a lot. Um, so I think Matt Duffy is going to make the team next year. He's got, had really nice walk numbers and contact numbers in the minor leagues. And he has some speed. Weighs about 100 pounds. Does he really? He's he's so skinny and looks like such a rookie this year. Oh, my. But you know, he played at 23 years old and um, wasn't terrible. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. I'm not advocating anyone go out there. But it's a, you know, he also has Duffman. Hey! Uh, <laughs> on his uh, uh, thrusting in the, in the correct direction on his, uh, on, his, on his bats. So, he's a fun guy. I mean, the reason I bring him up is because he's down in the 50s yeah. where you're, you're like, well, that guy could do something. I mean... When you're talking NL only, guys who can do something are yeah. few and I mean, far between NL at shortstop. Reserve round, I will take a, a Matt Duffy, you yeah, know, and reserve him, and who knows what happens to Crawford or what happens there. Um, I mean, I certainly think he's got a better bat than Isabel Aru Barena, uh, who I think is an all glove. Um, and I don't really see anybody down there that's uh, that's uh, taking me and shaking me by my lapel. Dean Anna was supposed to be, uh, I took him as a reserve pick last year, but if he couldn't break into that Yankees middle infield, um, I'm not so high on him anymore. No, I think, yeah, I think we're kind of out of options other than uh, maybe what Eugenio, Eugenio Suarez, I wonder what he can do in a full season. Uh, but Detroit should be back. He's the tiger, right? Uh, yes. Well, I think, I mean, there's still the, what, the potential issue that that's a more debilitating injury than oh, Jesus. I thought. Maybe I'm confusing no, him. Right. Nick Ahmed's done some interesting things in the minor leagues. Um, shortstop. But he's a shortstop for the Diamondbacks, so that means they've got three of them. <laughs> if you want to count Nick Ahmed. Oh, we've got this. Uh, the, no, uh, I'm sorry. Iglesias is expected to be fine, so that's not a uh, 
We've got Kyla McDaniel's uh, tools on Nick Ahmed. Uh, 50 uh, tool speed, 65 tool uh, fielding, and um, everything else is uh, pretty bad. <laughs> so uh, looks like maybe ends up being a defensive shortstop. That's weird, though, because I thought some people were worried that he would stick it short. So anyway, um, not sure Nick Ahmed is... Uh, on anyone's radar. It's not fancy material. But he before, might be closer to oh, he might be closer to a job than than Matt Duffy if we're talking about that level. But I think we have taken the shortstops and slaughtered them. Yes, and I was going to say, I mean, the only thing, and I put that in the note in our little agenda agenda thingy, is that uh, we haven't talked. We won't talk about him actually until we get into outfielders. But Danny Santana will be. I would assume, I mean, basically the primary shortstop for the Twins uh, next season. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see where he slots in, kind of going into next season rankings. Well, I, uh, I expect some some definite regression from him. Certainly, and I think that the combination of potential regression and people are people seem to be in love with Santana. I mean, certainly the results. The results. I mean, he continued. He put up results that were better than any of his minor league results. I think that's. Yeah, and I think you know it's fair even to take to take some of the steamer numbers and wonder if they're going to be true because steamer has them down for an eighteen percent, nineteen percent strikeout rate, and you know it's been a little while you know that Santana's been striking out too much. So there was and there's a lot of you know too many strike too many strikeouts in his minor league career. So you know if he strikes out worse than what steamer says, his batting average is going to go down even further. So. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think he's a risk to hit as low as 260, 250. If he hits 250 with 20 stolen bases, um, I mean, he'll still be relevant because he'll be a starting shortstop. But uh, I have a feeling he'll go for uh, more money than that. Yeah. Yeah. He's certainly going, he's almost certain to cost more than I'd be willing to pay, for instance, I think. Well, uh, and uh, before we go, I did want to just talk about this one question and again this is a reader requested thing i just wanted to see what you thought about he wanted to throw out an uh, an odd request he said to talk about cameron maven he uh, a, a a listener a couple of months ago called maven his next edwin jackson <laughs> i don't i don't know that seems like a total uh no, I th- slaughtering but I, I mean no i think i get it because it's like I know what he's saying. <laughs> look at Edwin Jackson's strikeout rate, and you look at some of his stuff, and you think, "Oh, that guy, you know, he's going to be good next year." Yeah. And then, it, then you look up, and Edwin Jackson's thirty, and he was never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you know, that's I, I brought up the age because Maven is now twenty-seven, um, and a great and, athlete. <laughs> he has not uh, had six hundred play appearances in one season. Um, since he came up in 2007. So he's been up for seven years uh, and has only gotten close to 600 player appearances twice. And in those seasons, he hit uh, probably about, a, if you average them, 250 uh, with uh, eight homers and 30 stone bases. Mm. Um, in today's world, I mean, since uh, he debuted, baseball just gotten worse um, offensively. <laughs> Some would say, in general, um, and uh, and you know that's that's a league average uh, batting average, and uh, obviously above average um, speed and and uh, 
slightly below average power. So I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to project him to do. That's the best I could give him. That's the best I could give him. You know, if he, if he was healthy this year and played 600 player appearances, I'd give him a 250 average, uh, 10 home runs and 25 stolen bases. That's the best I can do for him. Yeah. And, well, and those numbers will be relevant, but it's like they're, the health is such a, it, health is such in question, I think. And why would you, yeah, like, yeah. Like he's not a bad reserve pick in a, maybe in a mixed league. I mean, if he has a job, sure, I want the guy. Yeah. Because there's some talent there. But, I mean, it's not a player you would go into a, a draft saying, I hope I get him and I'll pay, uh, I'll top somebody for him. Somebody. And I don't really want, yeah, I don't even, you know, 15 team, if it's not OBP, maybe. Uh, but, you know, there's this one thing about league average, batting average, and there's fantasy league average. And fantasy league average, batting average is closer to 260, 265. So yes. he's going to hurt your batting average a little bit. And he's not going to give you uh, – well, he might give you more steals than Everett Carrera next year. But when Everett Carrera was hitting 250, he was stealing more bases than that uh, and playing a more premium position and was still thought of pretty poorly in fantasy circles. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not here to be negative about players. I love players. I love talking to them. Uh, but, um, I don't see, uh, Maven as a, as a big fantasy asset. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think basically in the question, you know, I can keep everyone. The guy says, I mean, I guess this was a keeper question and, you know, it's it's something I we assume I assume is still relevant. So, but you know, it's, well, what can he? What else could he do with that slot? Right. So, I, I mean, I think it's a player you don't keep, and you can always get him back. It's just yeah, not. I, so. I think that's it's ultimately because it's not just about what you think the player can do. If you're the, if you think that the player can do that, most other people probably don't still. So you can probably still get him if you want him. Yeah, I would. I would like to throw him back, and then you have the chance that something else. Uh, comes out of it right yeah that's a better way to look at it is the opportunity cost or the opportunity to get something better may come along that you didn't necessarily intend to give yourself a shot at then you have options i drafted garrett richards at like uh something like with like the 620th pick in a a league so uh you know you may just want to go towards the pitching side and you may find you might find some great little sleeper there instead of uh maven so there you go yeah. It's an excellent testimonial. <laughs> Testify. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think that is going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. This has been episode number 177. Eno, thank you as always for taking the time out of your busy day. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We, we love we love to have you on the program. And uh, we look forward to our next episode of The Sleeper and the Bust. We'll be getting into outfielders. Uh, and I'm sure there will be a lot of outfielders to discuss uh, next week and the following week, right? We go two weeks for those. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, so that would be that would be pretty exciting. At least I think maybe it, we'll maybe we'll divide them up by league or something. There we go. Uh, don't put that in stone, but uh, there's a possibility we'll be dividing them up by something. And uh, I have been Nicholas Minix, still am Nicholas Minix, and uh, we'll <laughs> we'll talk at you in the very near future. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Sleeper and the Bust. Mm-hmm.